Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi, and welcome to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm Marie Stella, your host from Melbourne, Australia. Let's start the show. Welcome back to Reloscope. Have you ever wondered why you and your partner seem to communicate love differently or why these loving gestures that mean the world to you might not have the same impact on them? Well, the short answer is love languages. So today we're speaking to Jill Robin Payne, a relationship and couples counsellor to unpack the concept of the five love languages and learn more about how we give and receive love in our own unique ways. Hi, Jill. How are you going today? Hey, Marie. I'm good. Thanks for having me on this nice podcast. That's great. It's lovely having you here. So tell us a bit bit about your background and how you got into this. Well, I'm a psychotherapist and I got into this because when I was younger, I was raised, I had a mentally ill brother. So I got into psychology that way. I was a recreational therapist first. Then I got married, got a divorce. And I said, I never want that to happen to anybody else. So I went and got a master's in counseling and uh, psychology and got my license. I even got another license and LCDC to further help people that have alcohol and drug abuse. But that's how I got into this. Wow, that's such an interesting and heartwarming story. I've got to tell you, I don't think I've heard such a story before. Um, so that's really nice. Now, before we get started, we'd like to get to know you better. This yeah. is, have you met Jill Robin Payne? Um, what do you like to do in your spare time? So I love swimming. I'm very much, like I said, I got a BS in recreational therapy. So I really believe that your body affects your mind and your mind affects your body. And so I walk two and a half miles in the morning and I swim for half an hour and then I do some weights and that's my fun time. And then my hubby and I go for maybe a day a week to do something fun to get connected. Well, that's amazing. I love swimming as well. I just feel like it's a whole different world when you're underwater for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the way you move is very different from the way you walk on land. Right. And yeah. it always and just you, fascinates me. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it's like you're back in the womb with your mom and you can't put earphones on. You, no one can get you on the cell phone. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's fabulous. And I really have not ever thought of it that way in terms of like, <laughs> you're back in the womb with your mom. That was a very graphic visual. That was psychological person, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So do you read any books? Yes, I I, I do. Uh, men, are from, uh, men are from Mars, Women are from Venus. I highly recommend that book to everyone. It's an old book and... Uh, that's just how it is. Men are that way and women are this way and we just need to accept it. Interesting. Uh, I feel like that's very representative of 
kind of what we were talking about today as well. Um, yeah. But we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, do you have yeah. any favorite films? So I do. I have the Barbie film. I love it. I did some videos on it. I have my clients watch the Barbie film because uh, when I went to see it, it was it was funny because they started talking about cognitive dissonance, existential mm-hmm. crisis, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's psychology. And so it's really about the kids going from the internet, which is the known to them, to the world which is the unknown to them. And so people can relate because a lot of the kids today are going through existential anxiety, which then goes to existential uh, crisis like Barbie. And so it's a fun way to relate and learn things from. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of um, kids who enjoy the Barbie movies as children are adults now, and they really managed to adapt you know, right. to their audience, which is great. Um, right. Yeah. And there were men there, in, in there, so it, it wasn't just for yeah, women. It wasn't right. just for women, and um, they touched on the men's experience as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Is there podcasts that you enjoy listening to? So I'm going to say that yours is the best, so that's my answer. Wow. <laughs> I am Where you go? Um, this is the first time I've gotten the answer. Uh, so I'm feeling very flattered and really? honored. And wow. that's really nice of you to say. Um, well, it's a good thing that you're on this podcast then. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, do you have a famous role model? So I do. Her name is Dr. Ruth, and she is still alive. She's 95 years old, and she's a sex therapist. And she is hysterical, very down to earth. She was in a concentration camp. And uh, yeah, you need to look her up. She is Mm -hmm. so funny. I mean, she doesn't do her stuff now, but uh, she's very down to earth, very authentic. And I I just love the way she makes light of things. And because sex can be very, uh, it's very intimate and very touchy. And she just makes it fun. Uh, she sounds amazing. She sounds like a hoot. Now we're going to get into the interview section for the recording. Okay. Uh, the first question that we like to ask everyone, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it might vary depending on who you ask, is what is a relationship to you? How would you describe a relationship? So I say, and I have it in my book, everything is relational including the chair that I'm sitting in and the chair that you're sitting in. And you can tell that my relationship with my chair is working because I'm not fidgeting. I'm not getting up. I'm not in any pain. I'm very comfortable. And that's how a relationship needs to be. That's a great analogy. Um, Yeah. So simple, so concise. Um, But in your opinion, does a relationship still hold the same meaning, structure, and importance as, let's say, 10 years ago? So there's sort of a conundrum here because people want to be connected. They, they want to be with people, yet it's being promoted to be on the internet and not touch as much. So what's happening is there's so much going on on the internet that it's creating a lack of commitment or a fear of commitment because you have that uh, FOMO, which is fear of 
missing out. Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss out what's on the internet. Uh, there might be another partner for me on there. And then the fear of unknown. When my son was dating, when he first started dating about 10 years ago, uh, they would go on group dates and uh, the girls would ask him, well, is this going anywhere? Uh, what What's going to happen from here? This was on our first date. The first date is just to have fun. So this is what what's changing. They're more having group dates when they're younger and there needs to be more one-on-one so that you got to practice it. So yes, I do think there's been a change. I can definitely vouch for the girl's experience of um, wondering what's going to happen after the first date. Uh, Sometimes it's just, it's kind of inevitable. It's like an SOP. It's it's like a standard operating procedure. Um, Even if you don't really care about it, you just can't help but to wonder sometimes. Um, But I'm not sure if this goes the same for everybody. That's just my personal experience with it. That that Um, is what's going on. And so what people need to do is stay in the here and now, enjoy the date. And what I tell my clients is think of it as practice. So the person you're going out with is just practice. Yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting it I think I didn't even realize that I was doing this but I definitely did look at it that way at some point during my dating history um, which made it so much easier and a lot less anxiety inducing right like okay if this doesn't work out it's fine it's just a practice thing Uh, but yeah just warning from someone like firsthand experience don't overcorrect by thinking that everything is just practice and because you'll end up freaking out when something when something is progressing and you're like i thought this was meant to be just practice so, <laughs> so don't forget it can be well it still can be just practice and then then it it sort of flows and and if something gets deeper then you're still having i'm practicing my marriage every day <laughs> So I never know what's going to happen tomorrow. There you go. We're all just practicing, really. <laughs> We're practicing life. There you go. Learning as we go, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, how would you define love languages? So how would I define it or how would Gary Chapman divide it, define it? Let's go with both. Uh, just to give our listeners uh, a little refresh on how Gary Chapman has defined love languages. And then we'll okay. go with yours. So we're going to go with Gary first. Yes. So, uh, okay. So he, he cut it down to five. There may be more. Uh, people have argued that there may be more. So he has uh, giving gifts and he has the acts of service. Then he has quality time. And then he has um, the physical touch and then words of affirmation. And so he's broken this down so people can understand it a little bit better because um, you have people that are married and they're wondering, gosh, I give, 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 and, you know, I don't get anything in return. Well, they may be giving, giving the wrong thing. That's not really telling that other person that it's love. So he did this, and so then, uh, and he found out that it worked so that people that that like gifts like I do. So when my husband gives me flowers, I'm just, oh, I feel so good. And I give him hugs and kisses. And so that's what Gary Chapman found. 
So he described the gift giving just doesn't have to be a money or a lot of money. You can go pick some flowers. It's what what is what are you saying with it? You can even write a note to somebody saying how beautiful your eyes are. Okay. And then the act of service. Now that's my husband. He's always cleaning and doing all these good deeds. That's sort of the honeydew list. And so that that is also telling people that they, you know, they love them by doing the act of service. And then you have quality time. Quality time means put your phone away. I've had clients say, I don't want to put my phone away. I just want to turn it off. Well, they've done studies. If you keep your phone out, literally keep it out and off, that your attention still is towards the phone more than it is towards the person. So quality time means that whoever you're with, Marie, you need to put down your phone, give them full attention. And so I tell people to have places where there's uh, no electronics so that people can just sit in that safe place and do some communication, whether it's at dinner or in your bedroom. And then there's, of course, the touch. And touch doesn't necessarily mean sex. It means just touching, uh, giving a hug. I even recommend everybody do that. Give hugs. Do you give hugs? Yeah, absolutely do. Love hugs. Well, let me know. I'll tell you something. If you hold on to that hug for 20 seconds, you're giving off uh, these feel-good chemicals in your body. And so it gets you to feel more attached immediately with that person, even if it's not your language. Oh, so wow. I didn't know yeah. that before. I'm yeah. going to set a timer now every time I yes. give someone a hug. 20 seconds. 20 <laughs> seconds. 20 seconds up. Yeah. That's and you can it. Make it you're fun out. And you can count. <laughs> True. So, and then we have a words of affirmation. So, words of affirmation would be giving someone a compliment, uh, saying, I love you. Please do it from the heart. If you keep saying, I love you every day and it really doesn't mean anything, it's going to just be like eating cheesecake cheesecake every day. It's not going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. And also, a yeah. Exactly. And and then another thing on that, this is for everybody, even if it's not your your language of love, if you give someone a compliment, it's the, it hits the same region of the brain that if you eat some chocolate or if you get $100. So a compliment, I highly recommend people do that anyway. So I, did I go through all five? Yes, you absolutely did. And you did them very well. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So what's your definition? So my definition, I'm going to tell you a little story. So this was a couple of years back when my son was in medical school. He's a doctor now. He calls me up. I'm in my office. You women, you are so complicated. I said, I know we're complicated. No, no, no. Your insides are complicated. So us women are just plain complicated. Men are simple. And that's just how it is. That's why I said about men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And we need to accept that even when we're doing these love languages, because we all have different languages. Even women and men have different languages. I always tell people that if you're going to talk to a man, be very specific. If you want to get uh, some milk from him, you want him to go to the store, you best tell him you want Borden's, you want a quart, and you want him to get it at Kroger's. And, and you want it to be cold because if you don't, what's going to happen? 
they're going to get the wrong milk. There you go. See, you know. I already know this. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. It's always best to send a picture. <laughs> yes, now you found, can do that. Yeah, now you I can do that, that with your phone. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So these are things that even when we're going to be talking about the love languages, we need to accept certain things because my husband and I were just chatting. He's a therapist too. And we were just <laughs> we were just chatting and I love gifts. Flowers, I love them. Do you know how many times a year he gets me flowers? Ooh. Just, yeah. Let me guess. Maybe, uh, maybe. one or two. Okay. But oh, you, five. Okay. Five well, is, yeah. I just picked a number. You're probably <laughs> right. So, like, he just got me flowers the other day. You know what he said yeah. to me? He says, cool. Jill, it's great that I don't get them for you all the time because, well, when I get them, you really appreciate it. So, it's all how you look at things with the language of love. Yeah. I guess. Like, I, I, I see his point. Uh, yeah, if my partner said that to me, I <laughs> like, no, I wouldn't do anything. Actually, I, I would be like kind of steaming, but like that does make sense. Like, to be fair, yeah. he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So how important is it to recognize and respect each other's love languages when in a relationship? Okay. I'm going to go with the word respect. And I always would use Aretha uh, Franklin because she had that song, Respect. It is number one, whenever I do therapy, whenever I'm talking and doing couples, the first thing I say when I do couples is I will tell them, no yelling, no screaming. We're not going to blame anybody for anything. I put these rules out because we need to be respectful. And that's something even in our society, we need to be respectful. No one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. We learn from our mistakes. That's the key. Now, if you keep making the same mistake and you don't learn, well, that might be an issue. But um, that that's what I think about respect, definitely. You need to respect everything and all people. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this probably goes the same for um, friendships as well. Right, um, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, how um, do you show respect? You show respect like what we're doing. You're talking, then I talk, and, you know, just honoring our spaces. That's pretty much it. Absolutely. Um, and is romantic compatibility at all related to love languages? And if so, how? No. So, uh, yes. So I'm going to talk about a first date. Do you remember who, whoever you're with? Do you remember the first date? Yes, because um, okay. it was like three weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that hard. <laughs> to be fair. So, so I'm going to tell you, so when we go on, a, and I even tell clients, give, give the person a second time, because a lot of times the first date, people are nervous. Mm -hmm. So the first or second date, when you're there, there's, a, there's chemistry. You like the way they look. You like their behavior, the way they're presenting themselves. You're finding out about their values and their beliefs. And so these need to continue in your relationship. And that romantic love, if you're lucky enough to get it, lasts from six months to maybe two years. So after that, people sort of say, ah, they start rubbing their butt. They start farting. They, <laughs> right? Okay. And we need to continue that romanticism 
And, you know, we might have some days that aren't so great. We need to continue it and be more mindful of it. So, yes, it's important. And how important of a factor is a love language in assessing romantic compatibility? Okay. So it's a part of your relationship. And I do believe I have suggested uh, Gary Chapman's book to a lot of my clients. It's not everything. There's a lot of other things that I do with my clients. And one of the, the fallacies is that, oh, I'm going to read this book and my marriage is going to be great. Well, there's a reason there's a bunch of self-help books out there. There's millions of them because there's millions of ways to improve your relationship. And you need to pick and choose what works for you and put the other things in file 13. So when clients come to me, there's some things that work and some things they'll say, oh, Jill, and they put it in file 13. That's fine. So that that's what I'm saying when it comes to uh, the, the love languages. You've got to take it with a grain of salt. And some people expect, oh, well, I'm doing his love language how come he's not doing mine he should well just because i'm doing the love language for him does not mean that he's going to do it for me okay so there's a lot of expectations that need to be explained and people need to be consistent at this and you know how it is you start a diet uh, i'm going to go on a diet lose five pounds and then i go eat a candy bar so this is how people are it's hard for us to start something new so this is we need, mm-hmm. we need practice there yeah. you go again with so, the practice. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing is that love languages um, aren't a standalone entity in what makes a relationship work. So beyond them, what should couples consider when assessing their romantic compatibility? Okay. The two big things that I do uh, with my couples, it, and I'm, I like to make games because I was talking to my husband today and I said, you've got to put some humor in things. So I have them when they're in the office, they list about 10 of their values. Okay. Each of them lists 10 of their values. And then I have them go home and think about, does their behavior match those values? And if they do, they put from one to 10, 10 being, yes, my behavior matches those values. So what they'll do, I'll give you an example. So let's say health is number one. I value health. I go swimming. I exercise. Um, but let's say the person doesn't do that. Let's say they value health and they eat candy bars. They yell and scream. Uh, they don't. They don't go to work on time, and uh, they're just not and not happy. And they complain a lot. Well, they would probably put down a one for their health. Even though they value it, they're having a con- conflict because their behavior does not match it. Okay, that's going to affect their self-esteem. So right there, your clients have found out how their self-esteem is, and if your self-esteem is low, that is going to affect how you how you see things. Right? If I'm in a bad yeah. mood, I don't care how sunny it is outside. I'm not going to see the sun. So that's that's one one thing, and so I have them do a game where the one one partner will guess the the other partner's list of values, and the one that gets the most correct gets a massage, gets 
sex gets to be taken out. They, they win something from it. And then the other thing that I do is um, I, I have them do their rules. And think of your shoulda, woulda, coulda. He should have brought me flowers for that one of my rules. So I have them write down their rules. And couples will tell you, Marie, we don't have any rules. Just sort of everybody has and so it's very important for you to know your rules and for your partner to know your rules and to see if you might want to compromise. Because if they aren't following your rules, how are you going to feel? Upset or disheartened. It, that's a sweet word. I, I love this heart. And that's, that's a nice way. I, I would say something <laughs> way worse than that. <laughs> what would you say? Now I'm curious. <laughs> We're on the air. I don't want to say it. (laughs) I'm not perfect. I already told you I'm not perfect. And that's one thing my clients do now, that I'm not perfect. And it makes it easier for them to come see me because if you see someone that you think is perfect, it's going to be harder for you to be yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you feel like there's some things you can't divulge or you might feel judged or inferior even yeah right yeah being on the internet everybody's feeling judged on the internet and Mm -hmm. that's where there a lot of people are meeting their loves are on the internet yeah yeah so what are some challenges that couples might face when trying to use love languages as a factor in assessing or attempting to improve their compatibility? Well, some of what we've been talking about. So uh, the expectations, there are a lot of people will come in and they, they're like, well, I love this way. So that person should love this way. Uh, I don't think I need to do that. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I think that person needs to do it for me or, um, just doing something new and implementing it in your life, it's very difficult to get something new in your life. Think about it. Who likes to change? We don't like to change. So you don't want your partner to fully change. And I tell people that because if they fully change, you're not going to like them. You want them just to be tweaked. I give this analogy. Um, I have this beautiful picture of my son in front of his 1968 Camaro that he used to have in high school. And I say, everybody's like that car. They're a class. You wouldn't want to make them a Mercedes. You wouldn't want to change them in that. You want to make them run a little smoother. You want to align them, polish them up. And that's how I think of people. So you don't want to change. You know, God made you this wonderful person. We just need to be tweaked. And so when people do the love language, they think they have to do it this way. Just like I told you, my husband does get me flowers, not every day. Okay. So they just need, and there you go. So it's our expectations just because we want them to do this language of love. They don't need to be doing it every day. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. And well, even though we don't like change, is it possible for someone's love language to change over time it is actually it is i'll give you an example so if i just got married and i want uh my i just want to have sex with my husband every single night i'm I'm sure he'd love me 
Anyway, and then all of a sudden I have twins. And so I don't really have the time and energy to do that. And I'm doing a lot of time with my child. So I may crave time more than the sex, the physical touch. So that's a perfect example of how things can change. And values change, by the way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how can... For example, if someone in a relationship, yes, their love language is changing or has changed, how can they ensure that, um, you know, they can, com- how 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 can they communicate with their partner and let them know what their expectations are, what the new expectations are, what they're going through, um, and so on to make sure right. that you know their love languages are still being engaged with. Right. Well, one thing is to be mindful and to watch if there's any change in behavior, uh, any change in attitude, any change in the words expressed to me. Uh, how am I feeling? You know, get, get in tune to my feelings. And I highly recommend doing meetings. So I tell my clients, you can sit outside with your your partner and at, in the backyard and maybe have some tea or some wine and just sit there and take that moment and just talk about your week. How did it go? How are we doing? And be positive. If there's negative things, remember, start with a compliment because remember the region it hit and then I'm going to be more open to something that is not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great a idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never thought of starting with a compliment, but that's great advice. Yeah. I'll definitely be taking that. Oh, do that with, yeah. And mean it. <laughs> you know, find yeah. something about them that you really want to compliment them with. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not a matter of like patronizing them or anything. It's no. more of just like letting them feel a little less anxious, like taking that right. weight yeah. off of the conversation really helps them as well um so it's not like you know you're stroking their ego or anything it's it's really more of like you're supporting them through exactly which is equally as difficult for them um so it's a way to connect it's a way the more that you do things to connect with someone like in my empathy we have uh, one of the elements is finding commonality so the more that you have in common with that person the more you're going to connect with that person. It's real easy. Yeah. Um, are there any resources or tools that you recommend to those who might want to understand the sure. inner workings of love languages a little bit better? Right. I'm going to tell you, I usually have my clients look at videos and I, I always, I'll say, you send them to me to make sure they're okay, to, to look at healthy relationships and how they talk to each other. Okay, that's one. And then, of course, Gary Chapman has an app. You can go look it up and, and you can go on that. And then he's got his, his little test that he has online. And then, of course, I recommend the men are from Mars, the women are from Venus to do that. And, um, and when you do go online, you tell people, I am adamant about this. Do not look up something. If you want something in psychology, don't, don't look it up with a, what a gardener said, okay? Or, or if you, if you want to have heart surgery, you look up a cardiologist or, or, or a heart surgeon, okay? So when you look this material up, find out 
those people and who they are before you go spread whatever they're saying. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is actually something that I do not with psychology, but with food um yes. for example with like food recommendations and where i like to eat i really like to get um suggestions from um chefs and bakers um who oh, have wow. worked in the industry for a while and learning yes. from them directly is incredibly helpful and insightful i feel so i reckon it's the same with psychologists as well um yeah, yeah. And I'm, oh, no. I'm going to invite myself over your house. I'll play with your kitty and then, <laughs> then I can enjoy all that food. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. <laughs> um, I So for the listeners, uh, Jill yes. is coming to Melbourne in, I think, in during winter, like next winter or something. Yeah, and, that's what I'd like. With um, my, yeah, my so hubby. we will be meeting up and oh. I did send her a list of, um, places to eat um, so we're definitely going to check one of those places out <laughs> yes I will all, or, or all of them yes <laughs> all yes. of them please yes. um, yeah. I love when people take up my food recommendations wow. uh, now before we get sidetracked because yeah. we can talk about this um, off <laughs> camera <laughs> right um, we are moving on to the practice slash habit section and this is where we ask some questions about how you practice um, whatever that you've shared with us in your daily life. So what is something that you do to improve the way you engage with your partner's love languages on a daily basis or on a weekly basis or really like routinely? (laughs) So, you know, I don't know if it's routinely we put a lot of humor in our relationship and I find that that really de-escalates things because I am very emotional. I tell my clients, so my, my boys can raise, which isn't the the best thing to do. And so he will tease me and, and it's my empathy because he teases <laughs> me about my empathy, which needs banter with empathy. So <laughs> if I, if I get where I'm not being loving, he got ah, You've got to empathize. You've got to empathize, and then, and then I, you know, I start laughing. But we just we will sit down in the living room and have some chat. And I, I highly recommend that because if you if you wait too long for your chat, that's when things get out of whack. You want to try to keep a balance. And I go with my gut. If your gut is telling you that something's off then that's a time that you need to talk to your uh, spouse or your partner. So when I feel like we're being disconnected, I'm a therapist, so, and I'm and he's a therapist. You can only imagine our conversations, right? So I'm very open. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm not feeling loved enough or I want more sex or to go out more, we're pretty frank and uh, we talk about it. We'll sit and talk. And I really think people need to be open and honest. That's great. Yeah. Um, What kind of language should someone use when trying to be frank? Because it doesn't always work out with the way some people talk. Um, Yeah. 
So I'm going to tell you something. Listen to your partner and see how they talk. Listen to the words that they use. Listen to how they, I mean, when I say listen, watch and listen how they move and where they sit, uh, how they how they react to things. Action creates reaction. So if you know this doesn't work, the best thing to do is listen. Matter of fact, Dale Carnegie uh, wrote a great book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was written in 1937. And I'm telling you, it's fabulous. Keep repeating someone's name. See, I've even said your name, Marie, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But repeat it like three times in a row. And really listen. You will find out so much more when we listen. And then get out what you want to say. That's great advice. Um, yeah. Are there any challenges when it comes to doing this? Sure it is. I told you my voice will get high because sometimes I don't feel hard. I am a woman. He is a man. Yeah, there's challenges. And so, you know what? That's a good time where I will maybe say to him, you know what? I need to go for a walk. And I will go and I will go for a little walk. I do not run away, say I'm leaving you. No, just going to go for a walk. And so I, I tell people, if, if, you're, if you're not in a good headspace, that's not a good time to have a conversation. So if you've gotten this way, you need to take a break and then say, I'm going to come back and we'll re, uh, we'll start the conversation again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to just call this practice empathy because your <laughs> husband has coined such a perfect term for it. Uh, I don't think there's an, the, I, I, I don't think there's a more perfect term for it, to be frank. Uh, oh, so thank you. How often do you guys practice empathy? So we we practice it quite often. I've I've been doing this for 30, 30 or forty years, and so when people even come to my office, I'll tell you something. This is what my son will tell you about me. I'm definitely not perfect. He says, "Mom, but you know your imperfections, and you constantly work at them." That is what empathy is about. Empathy is about empathizing with yourself, empathizing with others. And be compassionate about it and work to be better and better every day because no one is perfect and we can't beat ourselves up over it. And working together is wonderful. So my husband and I, we were just even sitting chatting about this, this talk that we were having. He was helping me. He was asking me some questions and I was talking to him. He added some things. And this is what relationships are. You work together. On different things, yeah. and it'll bring um, you close. Teamwork, teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. work. Yeah, not to you gotta make bring... sure they're in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So, based on your experience, yeah, do you have any other recommendations of activities like this to be combined or improved with empathy? So, I tell people if you want to ignite your relationship. There's something called misattribution. And go look it up. They did a study where these guys walked across this uh, bridge. You know, what are those bridges that that they weigh and they wiggle and stuff? One of those bridges. And then walked across uh, just the lawn. And each time he met, they met the same woman. When they walked across, it was a Trevine. They walked across the Trevine. Uh, they were all excited and they wanted to ask the woman out. And then when they walked across the grass, it was like, oh, you know, she, she took some questions. They didn't care. 
So what they found out is that people, when you do something really exciting and your heart's beating and you're with someone, you will misattribute that with your partner. And, and so then you will get more excited with your partner. So if you do rock climbing or uh, what is it, go-karting, uh, you know, something fun like that, or even seeing a James Bond movie, then you're, you'll get more excited and be happier with your mate. Yeah, so that's, that's interesting. When, I've yeah. I've never heard of that before. Misattribution. Um, yeah, misattribution. There we go. Um, now we're going to answer some questions from the audience. Uh, yeah. And this will take not more than five minutes, I reckon. Um, first question is, can individuals apply the concept of love languages to improve compatibility, not just in romantic relationships, but also in friendships and family I love that. My husband and I were just talking about that. And yes, because remember what I started with. Everything is relational. So definitely you can do that. Just like when I'm sitting in my chair, you know, I'm not moving. Okay. So the same thing with that, you, you get to know your friend and find out what their languages of love is, because you know what? There's all different levels of love. You yeah, know, and it so I've like just gotten it, yeah. to hear about you. We talk about our cat. We've had intimate, I mean, you know, an email mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. you, you showed me some places in Melbourne and stuff. And so there's different levels of love. And the really wonderful question to ask people, Marie, is what is love? Because love is different for everybody. So, yes, the answer is yes, she can do that or he. Yeah, and it sounds like um, incorporating the concept of love languages into yes. other types of relationships might make it more fulfilling as well. It will. Um, for parties. So that's a great thing to do. Um, what are some signs that suggest a lack of compatibility in love languages and how can couples address these issues? So a lot of times people come to me, Marie, and they don't know what's going on. They just know there's a disconnect. So you'll you'll feel there's a disconnect. Um, my thing is I tell people to be mindful. And let me tell you how I say that. I'm not telling people to take drugs. So pretend that you <laughs> hit, took some LSD and your little Marie out here looking at your world. I highly recommend doing that for a week in your relationship. And like right now, I see I'm, I'm moving my head back and forth. You're moving your head. I'm moving my hand. It's just to be mindful of what's going on, how you're feeling. And that will get you, that's a step in the right direction to find out what's going on. Okay. The other thing is then write down what you found out. And I even say, pick up your phone, pick up your phone. And I tell people to talk whatever you wrote down, talk into your phone. And then all that you're using more senses and it helps you make sense of things. And then if that doesn't work, you can ask friends, friends that you respect and that you know will be honest with you tactfully. Of course. Yeah, that's a great way to look at things. Right. Uh, thank you so much for answering my questions, um, Jill. Now we're going on to the open mic section and this is your chance to talk about anything that you want to talk about. Um, whatever you're passionate about really it doesn't have to be related to the topic so take it away jill the floor is yours okay so i'm very passionate so passionate that my husband's sick of hearing me my empathy 
And so I'm gonna I'm gonna even show you my book. Okay. So we have Beacon, Brighton, and Bo. They are fraternal twins, and he's a minute older, and he is the beacon of light. He looks like a lighthouse. She is Brighton, and she's got mm-hmm. starry eyes. And then you have little Bo. That was my dog before he died. Anyway, uh, and little Bo has uh, is is um, helps tie everything together and helps everything make sense. So you've got a leader, a follower, and a compromiser, and that's what we have in our world. And I got the book out during COVID when people were yelling and screaming at each other. And I just, I'm one of these people where I just love people. And I wanted people to get along. This is something I've been doing for 30 or 40 years. And it's teaching people empathy, banter with empathy. It has six elements. We talked about one, about finding commonality so you can connect. And it helps make situations win-win because life is perception. And perception is life. So if I believe I'm winning, I'm winning. That sounds amazing. And I love that your book is named Bempathy. Where can people find Bempathy, Jill? So they can get it on Amazon. And then I have another one coming out, but it will be a couple of months. All right. Uh, Do you have um, any sneak peeks, any Easter eggs about your next book? Oh, so let peaks. Okay, well, it's called Meeting People. It's not a game. And so I, I really associate both my books with Barbie. That's why I like the Barbie movie. My first sympathy book has Brighton going from the known to the unknown, just like Barbie. And then this book coming out is Meeting People and learning how to how to talk with people, dating, make friends. And so it's where Barbie is right now in the real world. So that's that's my new book that's going to be coming out. That's amazing. We'll link the info to that in the show notes. Thank you, Jill, for joining us today. If our listeners want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? So I have a website, jillrobinpain.com, and then I'm on all social media. And just look up Jill Robin Payne. I think TikTok, I'm at Jill Robin Payne. That, and that's how they can find me, and I will... They email me on my website. I will respond. Awesome. We'll link jillrobinpain.com and all her socials in the show notes. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. You've been listening to Veloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Live Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this, from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at re.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Marie Stella. Thanks for tuning in.